I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I hope you had a happy Halloween and uh, made a good haul. And what I mean by that is lots of uh, big Snickers bars or whatever it is you like. So uh, it was fun with the kids. As always, we are back better than ever. It was also the NFL trade deadline. Nothing spooky about that, of course, with the Buccaneers in particular. Jason Light did not make any deals. That is not a headline anymore with Jason Light. Not prone to make deadline, draft day deadline deals. uh, Not draft day, but trade deadline deals. And what that means is that Mike Evans and Devin White, both are Buccaneers still. They will play out their contracts this year. And then, you know, we'll see what happens before next March. And... You know, and just, just understanding sort of how Jason thinks right now and where their team is at. First of all, they're a half game out of first place in the NFC South. That's not a daunting place to be when one of those teams you're chasing is the Atlanta Falcons. You know, and Desmond Ritter has not been good and he's hurt. Probably the worst thing that happened is that they're putting in, you know, they put in Taylor Heineke and found out they might have a quarterback. But aside from that, um, the New Orleans Saints, I still think, are probably their biggest competitors the Bucks have one win on the road against the Saints already they play all these NFC South teams again plus Carolina twice and of course this Sunday they go to Houston which just lost to Carolina Carolina's first win of the season uh, and then they come home and play the uh, Tennessee Titans and so that those two are, are both winnable games and then it's out to the west coast where it might just have gotten a little bit harder Steve so the trade deadline did net some trades, not the least of which was Chase Young going from the Commanders to the 49ers as they just continue uh, to stock up on that defense and pass rush. Yeah, I mean, that's it's the rich getting richer. I mean, we've seen John Lynch do this. Um, you know, they're all in. Now if they can just keep Brock Purdy healthy. Right. Yeah, that's that's going to be the key. And, and uh, John Lynch, of course, won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay you know, with a defensive-led team, and um, Brock Purdy is uh, uh, pretty Brad Johnson-like, I guess, in terms of the way he manages the game and makes plays. And um, I think, you know, these they've lost three in a row, and they got a bye week now, so they got to regroup a little bit. Uh, but but adding a guy like Chase Young to that defense really makes it extremely hard for teams to to block that up, especially in passing downs. You know, it was weird. Like, the uh, the Commanders just had sort of a fire sale. They also traded Montez Sweat, the other uh, outside pass rusher, who actually leads the team with six and a half sacks. And, you know, if you're Ron Rivera right now, uh, maybe don't put down more money on your mortgage. Like, I, I, I think I, – how do you go in – and I know that people have had to do this, but how do you go into that meeting room in your next team gathering on Wednesday and say – all right, guys, let's go get them. We don't have our two best players on defense, but we still we're still in this thing. Well, more importantly, how do you do that when you're probably a sitting duck? <laughs> exactly, and I think people would realize that, right? I, players, I think, I think people have known that beforehand, and now it's just pretty much guarantees it almost. Right, new ownership that didn't hire him. Right, they inherited him. They inherited a lot of things, and now they're sort of putting their stamp on it. But yeah, and I, I think, you know, the other thing that happens and I've always said this, like one of the reasons why you don't have interim coaches, um, it's a signal that, you know, that the staff is going to be fired. And so the guys on your staff all have families, all have careers to worry about. Maybe some of them have contracts, maybe they don't. And they start looking for their next job, which could be in college. And so your game plans get worse. They spend less time working on things because frankly, they know they're all fired, and um, it's a bad it's a bad place to be in. But that's that's the, what the trade deadline is sort of about. The you know, teams beefing up the ones that have a chance to win, beefing up their rosters, and the other ones not. Uh, former Michigan player Donovan Peoples Jones is on the move as well, right? Yeah, he goes to the what the Lions. Yeah, went to Detroit mm-hmm. from Cleveland. Never really was used much in Cleveland. I don't know if that's his fault or others, but. Didn't seem like he fulfilled what I thought he was going to be when he came out of Michigan. 
I always thought he was one of those guys that had all the potential, had all the measurables, but never, yeah. never made it become a lead on the field. Right, right. Could 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 really uh, you know light up a combine and 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 do all those things and could even be a two way player if you needed him to be. But yeah, make some splash never. plays at times, but never consistent and not even near consistent enough. Right. I remember him in his return game. He was pretty good. Like he could do a lot of things, but um, just hasn't worked for, out for him there with the Browns. So. Uh, but as we mentioned, it, it, you know, I wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com. This was just not going to happen. And for those, uh, there are people, some Buck fans out there on Twitter and other places that are just really upset that, like, I can't believe you wouldn't just, you know, clean house and get rid of get rid of Mike and get rid of Devin and, and you know, get some draft picks and start over. I think that people forget a couple things. The first of which is, do we know that people wanted Mike Evans and and Devin White. And when I say wanted, like not for like a sixth or seventh rounder, right? Like actually wanted to give up relative good compensation for him. Like what would you part with a Devin White? Would you would you give up? Would you take a third rounder? Like I don't even know that, that a team was going to offer you that for a rental because he's a free agent after this year. Now it's possible they could assign him to a long-term deal if they had a conviction and all of that, but – He's still his status is what it is. He's on the last year of his contract. So there's the you know is the phone ringing? Are they really offering you something? And, and the same is true with Mike Evans, who's 30 years old. Um, could he help a team down the stretch? Yeah, he could, depending on what's around him, who the quarterback is, and all that. But again, a free agent after this season. So are the Bucks going to let him go for a third or less? Like, and that's the thing. Both players in each instance, because I've talked to Jason Light about this in the past, there's a good po- – I don't know if it's a good possibility. There's, a, there's a, a chance. I know that they have interest, let's say, in re-signing both guys, right? And whenever the season ends, you know, whether that's the playoffs or, or 17 games, whatever, there's a good little lag time there between that and, and next March, middle of next March when the new league year begins and they become free agents. They will be attempting to re-sign one or both of those guys the entire time, um, and and so do you take, you know, a lower round pick to get rid of a player that could still be part of your future, or, you know, are you are you inclined to, you know, just spend a bunch of draft capital to try to bolster a team? that's probably not going to do more than win the division, right? Like if they get to the playoffs, you never know, right? It's always like get in the tournament, see what happens. But realistically, this is, this is not a Super Bowl team or certainly isn't playing like one, doesn't seem to be one. So if you make the playoffs, you could be one and done, even if you won a playoff game, most likely not going back to the Super Bowl. So that being the case, now next year, do you want to not have a bunch of high draft picks because you've mortgaged it again for some fictional run you know to the through the playoffs it, it's just it's it's not i think they can win and i believe they think they can win the division with what they have on the roster right now barring injuries and, and they got a long haul right with no bye week and all of that they've had their thursday night game so this is as healthy as they're going to be this is as whole as they're going to be but if they can get through this and win this division with what they have then next year you've got decisions to make at quarterback you get decisions to, you got a lot of Guys, you have to pay Antoine Winfield Jr. We talked about Tristan Wirfs. We talked about um, you know Evans and, and White. Now you can kind of step back and reassess like what kind of team are we going to be going forward. Um, but I don't I don't think you give up on the, on on the hope of this year. And they don't want to do that to their coaches. They don't want to do that to Todd Bowles. And and quite frankly, I don't think Mike Evans or Devin White were looking to move in the middle of the season. I think they're fine with where they're at right now. Both of them are playing hard. Um, aside from some injuries that they've each had, um, I think that slowed both of them down a little bit. But you know, Mike's off to a really good start. He's he's more than halfway to another thousand yard season, which will be ten in a row, which is you know just builds on his NFL record. So um, I I just think that there's this, this this sort of belief, like it's fantasy football, where you go, oh, you know what, we're trading Mike Evans. Anybody got to give me a first, a second, you know? And that's not real football. And in fact. Um, and we'll talk about this just for a second. You know, Jason Light was on Good Morning Football. He was promoting something that the Bucks are going to have called the Bucks Coaching National Coaching Academy, and and he even said when they asked him about Devin White, he didn't commit or uh, asked about Mike Evans. He didn't commit one way or the other. 
But he just said, you know, people would be surprised. It's not like we're sitting by our phones. All those talks have been had. All those discussions, you know, are done. And you kind of know whether there's going to be anything happen on, on the deadline day or not. And in this case, he knew there wasn't. But um, it's not fantasy football. It just It's just not where they live. As far as his appearance goes, so the Bucks did a pretty cool thing. And work, they've been working on this for a while. So they're going to have what's the Buc- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers National uh, Coaching Academy, um, which is interesting uh, in that you can go online and download uh, an application form, and this is for really anybody. It's it's all inclusive. I you know they're definitely going to to try to uh, you know enhance opportunity for people of color, women, uh, even people that are generally uh, marginalized at times. Um, but basically you just need one letter of recommendation. If you coach at any level, high school, college, semi-pro, um, you're going to go on there and you're going to fill out an application and then you're going to do a video where you break down a play, um, give analysis of what you see, this and that and the other. And that's going to be sort of like your video resume. You're going to send it in and you could imagine they probably will get thousands upon thousands. I think, at least I hope applicants, and they're going to take their time and vet all this and go through it. And basically, they're going to invite 25 applicants um, to Bucks minicamp next fall, ne- next uh, spring. And those 25 will, will work with the staff. They'll, they'll not just work with the staff. They'll also have interaction with people in the front office. It's about making connections. That's how you get a job, right? That's how you get jobs in life and, and in the NFL is – you form those relationships and people hire who they like. And, um, and and so you're able to learn a lot, obviously, and how the NFL works, how coaching works. And then from those 25, they're going to uh, bring back five candidates for training camp, which is an even bigger deal. And and there's a, a pretty good chance that maybe one of those, maybe more, will be hired to the staff. Or um, the other thing is, is that all NFL teams will have access – to this, you know, this video uh, resource that the Bucks will be building for resumes and things like that. So it's a really great opportunity. It's a great idea. It's it's uh, just building on what their inclusivity has been with hiring. Um, we know that uh, you know the Bucks under the Glazers uh, have have promoted uh, minority hiring, starting with Tony Dungy. Uh, Bruce Arians took it to another level. Of course, three. African American uh, coordinators, and then hiring uh, Lori Locust and, and and women that uh, uh, you know to the staff full time. So this is sort of what the Glazers have been about, and this kind of just adds to that legacy. And 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 uh, you know, hopefully they they are able to discover um, some some coaches in the next generation, and also provide just more opportunity for people, which I think is great. All right, so we've got your mailbag questions uh, coming up. Here in a second, some 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 bucks angst, or I don't want to call it. I don't know if we'd call it hate yet. I don't. I don't really know. They've lost three in a row, so people are not happy. The folks are not happy. But we'll delve into that in just a second. First, I want to tell you guys that for the past fourteen years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. Now they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best insulation methods and service, while helping homeowners cut energy costs. With environmentally friendly investment, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar, and it's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. Uh, this is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, Steve. I understand there are some, uh, maybe some Bucks fans that are a little less than happy. So let's uh, let's get started. All right, we'll start with uh, Ellis, who says, given Todd Bowles' track record against rookie backup and third string quarterbacks, if the Bucks only win one game of their next six, then is ownership re- reevaluating his future with the organization? 
they should beat the Colts and aren't beating San Francisco on the road. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they would beat San Francisco on the road, but this is the, you know, any given Sunday, Monday, Thursday league, and, and San Francisco now has lost three in a row, including to Cleveland with a backup quarterback. So I wouldn't exactly, um, you know, not get on the airplane, as they say. Uh, they, they have a, a puncher's chance. But you're right, the, the 49ers are better, and they've lost to the better teams in the NFC. As far as, like, if they win one out of the next six, Let's see, let's do my math. They're, they're what, three and four right now? So that would be, what, four and ten, I want to say? Is that right? Yeah, four and ten. Yeah, four and ten is probably not going to get you invited back next year um, if you're Todd Bowles. Now, that might sound a little harsh, and maybe it is because Todd did win uh, an NFC South title in his first year when he wasn't able to hire coaches, and this is really the first year of his program, if you want to call it that, you know, with – a new offensive coordinator with a bunch of new assistants. Um, and so it, there, there is a, a chance that I'm way out of lines and that maybe, you know, the Glazers are way more patient uh, than I suspect they will be because um, they recognize that, you know, Todd was up against it a year ago and came through. And so you got to give him this year of transition. They didn't exactly give him a franchise quarterback to say the least. They had to go out and take Baker Mayfield. This is his fourth team in 15, 16 months. You know, uh, Kyle Trask is not really played and worked out per se um, since drafting him in the, in, you know, in, in the draft. And so I think there could be a grace period, but that record will stand out and you also will then have a higher draft pick. And so it's possible that sometimes they want to marry if if they're in range for a quarterback, maybe marry that with um, a new head coach. Um, but it's hard to predict, you know, what what ownership is thinking. And and you know, also, how did he lose? How do you lose those games? Did you did your quarterback get hurt? Um, did you lose your you know two of your starting offensive linemen like Tristan Wirfs? And you know, there's circumstances for everything. Um, and so I, I would just say this that. I think the Bucks are very much in this race in the NFC South. I think keeping Mayfield healthy will be the key. He's already uh, playing with a knee brace. He's got a, a pretty banged-up knee. He's got other injuries as well. Um, and I think that if, if he's able to survive these next few weeks um, and stay on the field, they've got some winnable games. And it starts this Sunday, no question, with Texas. You know, it really does because this is a team that just lost to Carolina. They're capable, but they have a rookie quarterback. And Bowles has had a pretty good record against rookie quarterbacks. And if they're able to get that, then they come home uh, and play Tennessee, which is not a good Tennessee team. Um, they did not trade Derrick Henry, by the way. But, they're you know, and they have a young quarterback that they just played for the first time. He threw four touchdown passes. But Tennessee's another team that they should be competitive and or beat. Um, and so if you do that, yes, San Francisco will be one um, that you'll be not favored in. Uh, and, and But even if you come back from that trip 5-5, five and five, you're in great shape because I think at 5-5, five and five, you're not going to be more than one game out of first place in the NFC South, I think. And that being the case, you still have one at home against New Orleans, who you've already beaten. You've got two against Carolina, who has just one win. And then you've got to go to Atlanta. And I've seen Atlanta. They That's the one they let get away, um, you know, despite getting all the turnovers and all the breaks. Uh, they should have won that football game. They didn't, but uh, I think it's it's a beatable team even on the road. So th- there's plenty of games still left within this division that if you go five and one or something like that, even four and two, that might be enough. You know, we just don't know. Um, so I'm not ready to you know to to predict doom and gloom. I think it's opposite. I, I actually think that they're healthy enough still to where there's hope that they can take care of the teams that they should beat. Um, they got to play better. And, and you know, a lot of these games have come down to their own mistakes, which are correctable. You know, guys can't jump off sides. You know, you had three false starts the other day against Luke Gedeke. And, you know, you can't have holding calls that erase 26-yard gains. Like, there's all these things that they're doing wrong that if they just take care of the little things, um, they have a better chance to win. And so let's see if they're able to correct that. I know we've been talking about it a long time. Um, you know, and, and, you know, third down's a problem for the Bucks. uh, you know, on defense, which is weird. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've got issues. They still are, are struggling running the ball. 
But I don't, I don't think it's as dark and gloomy as, as what a lot of people on, on uh, the, the social media that I've read think about the Bucks. Like, three and four, I, and I'll just say this, and I'm not comparing them to the Tony Dungy defense teams because they're not, right? But I think Dungy started three and four almost every year he was here. Like, it just seemed like, uh, aside from the first one when they were one and eight, but it, it seems like, they, you know, teams really, even, even, even Tom Brady's team that won the Super Bowl his first year in Tampa Bay, they were seven and five, man, and they were trailing in the game uh, coming out of the bye week, and it, it did not look like that team was. It was in danger of making the playoffs, right? And and it didn't win the division, by the way. It, it you know, so it made it as a wild card and had to win every game on the road, and did. And I think in part because there was no fans. Um, I think Travis Kelsey said in a, in a podcast the other day, because of course the Bucks, that Bucks team throttled Kansas City. Uh, that that might have been the greatest team he's ever faced. That that Buccaneer team in the Super Bowl might have been, you know, top to bottom, the best team he's ever played. And of course, they had Gronk and they had, you know, uh, they had uh, Brown and they had, you know, so many uh, good players and Sue and, you know, guys that were still very capable even in the latter phases of their career um, with Antonio Brown and them that that it makes sense, right? And they were dominant in that game on on all sides of the ball, special teams, offense, defense. But that did not look like that at seven and five. Didn't look anything like a team that was going to do that. And so I'm not predicting the Super Bowl for this team. I just think that I think their better football is ahead of them. I don't think it's behind them. I know they got off to a three and one start. I think a lot of that was schedule oriented. They certainly played better. They won with turnovers. They got a lot of turnovers, right? And they're still one of the top teams in the NFL as far as takeaways go. Um, that's kind of what they need is short fields and you know, uh, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, try to get easy scores. But uh, this team still has lots of runway ahead of them. I, I think they can still, uh, you know, still maintain some sort of competitiveness in this division. All right, Les had asked. Rick, in your expert opinion, through these seven games, has Baker Mayfield either secured or lost a second contract with the Bucks, Or is the jury still out? This should be an easy one for you to answer, as I'm sure Jason Light has already asked you the same question. Well, he has, and and I here's what I told Jay. No, he hasn't asked. Of course, he's not going to ask me. It is an easy question, though. the The jury is definitely out. I I don't think you can make a decision until you have all the information. And what I mean by that is, um, there are some games that Baker has played really well in, and there's a couple he didn't play well in. But there's circumstances to each of those games, right? Injury is certainly one of them. Um, and you know, how you play in the, in the, on the big downs and, and, you know, turnovers or, or, you know, coverage busts and different things that have happened. It's not all on Baker Mayfield. So when you evaluate the quarterback, you have to be careful that you don't assign him too much of the responsibility, you know, now there's a part of the game we don't see, like, is he getting the team into the right checks? Is he, is, you know, is he, managing the offense right is he seeing the field right is he throwing to the right guys um you know what how's he doing his job and part of that job is leadership right the the quarterback has to instill belief in the team that he can get it done that he's going to get it done and and from that standpoint regardless of the record or what he has done statistically i know the guys in that locker room really believe in baker mayfield he's he's a good leader he, he's even exceptional at times, but they will follow him. And that's what you need from your quarterback position. You know, you need, you need the guy who is going to fight harder than anybody on the field to win the game. That, that's what I want in my quarterback position, whether he's, whether he's Patrick Mahomes and he's skilled as hell or he's just the guy, you know, the third stringer that I had to play, that quarterback still has to be the one that fights harder than anybody else on the field. I think Baker Mayfield does that. So, um, you know, he hasn't done enough to warrant a new contract because remember he's playing essentially, you know, not even for backup money. I mean, he's, he's only guaranteed $4 million. Now, if he starts and he reaches his performance, uh, bonuses, he can make eight, $8 million is backup money. I don't know what they're paying Andy Dalton, but it's probably more than that. So, you know, I, I think Baker Mayfield is looking for a bigger payday and, Anybody you would sign as a free agent starter next year, whether it's Baker or somebody else, is probably going to want, unless it's a Baker-like guy trying to revitalize his career, is probably going to want $30, $35, $40 million. So 
you know, from a budget standpoint, no, you're not ready to commit that money to him after a, a three and four start. He hasn't done enough to warrant that. Um, but he also hasn't played his way out of that decision either. You know, he he could still, if he gets his team to the postseason, if he plays well throughout the year, um, you know, has 25, 27 touchdowns, you know, nine interceptions, eight interceptions, something like that, like you could definitely make a case for him coming back. Uh, also, you got to judge it about, you know, where are we drafting if you're the Buccaneers? You know, are you in um, that area where you can still get, uh, a franchise quarterback late in the first round, middle in the first round, or where, where are you picking? Uh, who are the free agent quarterbacks that are available? Like you got to weigh all of that because you judge him against everybody else. And he also has a decision to make. If he plays really, really well, he could decide to go someplace else too. Um, so it's not just a one-way street. But at this point, in my expert opinion, and Jason Light has not asked me, but I would tell him very succinctly, well, the jury's still out. But it, it's it's trending like there's a chance. Like there's a chance that Baker could be here more than one year. All right, Michael asks, eight defensive players have been with Todd Bowles since 2019. Why is there so much miscommunication and blown assignments that are happening every week? It was an issue in the playoff game last year, and it has continued this year. It's one of the, the most confounding things, I think, about this football team. And I know that people, you know, the offensive line is an easy target, the quarterback position. Um, there's so many, you know, well, it's, you know, this is the problem or they can't run the ball or Dave Canales is play calling. There is so much there, right? But the one confounding thing that they could fix and fix right away is these missed assignments. It makes no sense to me. And, And this goes all the way back to the Rams game. We've talked about it. Them losing Cooper Cup after, you know, Tom Brady did the incredible with an almost like, you know, Super Bowl-like against the Falcons comeback and, and gets them a few minutes from overtime uh, in a playoff game where if they beat the Rams, they're going to the NFC title game. No, they're going to host it. Excuse me. They're going to host it against the 49ers, where I assure you they weren't going to lose. They instead blow that assignment. They lose Cooper Cup really twice, but certainly once down the field, and they lose that game. And ever since... Just about every game, really almost without exception. And, and I'm not saying that every team every Sunday is perfect. They're not. You know, this happens. I watch games, and I got to watch the Red Zone this Sunday because we had the Thursday night game. And I'm telling you, there were busts everywhere, right? Like, it's very – nobody plays a perfect game. That's not what I'm talking about. But for for a defense, as you mentioned, eight players that have been together since 2019 – Three of the four guys on the back end, right on the, in, in in the secondary, that have been together. Um, there, you know, Ryan Neal is the only guy that's new. And Ryan Neal, by the way, has played like three hundred snaps or more than three hundred snaps. You know how many pass defenses he has? Not interceptions, just pass defensed. Zero, right? Like, so there's a, there's an issue at safety, and but the other guys. You know, you've got, an, I think, an, what's an all-pro in Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, you, you're paying two guys on the corner that are that are paid like shutdown corners. They're not playing press man because he doesn't have confidence in some of the other guys to play man-to-man, which is odd to me. Um, and so he's got them in zone. They're not very good zone team. Um, but the inability to communicate, and I mean to the whole defense, and it starts from the back end to the front, we talked to uh, Shaq Barrett about it the other day, and he just shook his head. He's like, "I don't, I don't know why we we don't communicate." Like he says, and he even said he allowed that it happens in practice sometimes, which is even more disconcerting because, you know, that's you got to practice that, and that's when you would think there'd be no mistakes. But he says, you know, it's it's on us. We've got to fix this. Uh, you know, we we can certainly communicate better. We've been together now. And if we just do that one thing, if we just make sure everybody knows what defense they're in, what their assignment is, and plays it to the best of their ability, you'll see you'll see those busts just disappear. But there seems to be one or two, not just in a game, but like absolute killers in the game, right? Like stuff that just just cost you the game at times, and and that's what they need to cut out. Um, it makes no sense to me. I think continuity is key to winning in the NFL. The more guys you have together for the longer period, along with the coaching staff, and Todd Bowles has been here now 
since Bruce Arians got here in 2000 and what, 19, um, there, there's no excuse. And, you know, if the players can't do it, then you've got to get rid of the players and find guys that will. I mean, you can't, you can't win with guys that aren't smart enough to, uh, you know, to make sure that they know what their assignments are and communicate that. Um, and so I, I, I just, I, I think it's going to get better, but we say that every week and there's, it's not happened yet. So I don't really know, um, how they fix it, but it is on Todd Bowles. It's on his defense and it's on, and, and look, the defense from a scoring standpoint have done very well. Um, there's other categories like third down where they're the last in the league, which makes no sense either. Um, they've got to get more pressure, but it's a combination of pressure coverage that has to work together. And it's not because they're not communicating. And, and I don't, I don't understand it. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Greg had tweeted. He says, Antoine Winfield Jr. addressed the team after the Falcons loss. I didn't see much improvement, albeit against better competition in Buffalo. How long until we see the dreaded players-only meeting? It's the last attempt by a team to get a spark, but rarely works. Yeah, I'm just not a players-only guy. I, I, I know that the, those meetings do happen, and usually it's when the team is sort of at a crossroads or maybe even after that where they're circling the drain a little bit. Um, yeah, he did address them. And Antoine Winfield Jr. rarely speaks to the group like that. Uh, he's not a raw, raw guy, um, very capable. But because of that, when he does talk, his words have a lot of weight. And, you know, what he was telling them uh, is kind of what we've been talking about today, which is, look, a lot of these problems, the reason we've lost some games, and I, I wouldn't say every game, but but the let's say the Atlanta game for sure. The reason we've lost games is been mistakes we've made, um, you know, miscommunications and blown assignments, and so and and you know, and lack of hustle, frankly, at times. Now, in that he spoke up after the Atlanta game. That was the game where Winfield, if you remember, uh, the game's going to be put away when Desmond Ritter runs one in for a touchdown, and at the very last second, Winfield never quits on it, knocks the ball out of his hands through the end zone for a for a touchback. And gives the Bucks a chance. And when you have a player as good as he is, um, who who is you know a Pro Bowl safety and playing like an All Pro this year, make a play like that and not give up. Then why can't the guy that is you know forty six, forty seven, forty eight on a roster give the same effort? And and that was I think sort of the message without it being spoken that way was like. Hey guys, how good do we want to be? You know, we can still write our own story. This is on us. And I thought they played better at times against Buffalo. I didn't. I don't know that there was many as many blown coverages and things like that. Um, there's a bunch of reasons why they didn't win in Buffalo. Not the least of which is I think I think the Bills are better, and especially on defense, they were really good that night. Their their two safeties are a problem. Um, Baker was under siege for a while. Uh, and defensively, they really didn't. You know, they have, they had trouble stopping Josh Allen running the football. He, I think he ran it for forty one yards, and and that dual threat because he's a bigger quarterback and 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 he can extend plays and throw it a, a mile uh, when he's outside the pocket. So they just didn't make enough plays. But um, I still think it needed to be said. Uh, I, I think uh, guys took it to heart, and you know we'll see. Um, Talk is cheap, you know what I mean? Like, And players-only meetings is just that. It's just usually just a bitch session. It's just like, yeah, but what about ism? You know, yeah, but this guy or this coach or, you know, it's not me, you know, or I need to play more or I need or this guy needs to play. Like it's usually that sort of thing, which at the end of the day, everybody has an opinion, but it doesn't really bring anybody together, you know. So I've, I've, I've heard about a lot of team meetings and players-only meetings and things like that. 
I suppose they have their place. When they when they start winning, everybody points to it and says, yeah, that was the turning point. But a lot of those go on anyway that you don't hear about, and they don't always work. And so um, I just think that uh, I think they're overrated. But, but I haven't heard about one yet. But, yeah, usually when you hear them, it means that things are probably beyond dire at that point. All right, John tweeted, says, instead of assigning blame for the Bucks' offensive problems, let's call it what it is. They're performing pretty much where their talent level says they should. What will they do going forward to next season to address it? I see them in sort of a mediocre purgatory going forward. Well, I don't know if it's just the offense. I think the whole team is kind of where they where they should be in a sense because, you know, they're we talked about this all offseason. They're trying to thread the needle here. And I don't think there's a, a real appreciation either uh, for the three years under Brady and and sort of what that cost the franchise, you know, in terms of uh, salary cap space, mortgaging future salary cap, um, you know, exhausting every opportunity to add to their team, um, you know, whoever that was, right? Uh, you know, Julio Jones, Kyle Rudolph, like, you know, they they were, Antonio Brown certainly came in here and helped them. They did everything they could because they knew they had a window with Tom Brady and there's a cost for that. And it's a real, it's a real cost. And it means that you may lose some players that you normally would have stuck with. Um, and you have to make tougher choices going forward. Like we're talking about with Mike Evans and uh, guys like Devin white. Um, and so I don't, it's, it's not just the offense. I think, I think the team is sort of here, you know, like the defense is probably a little bit better because there's guys that are still sort of ascending on defense that have been together for a while now that came in as rookies or first year players at one Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl and have been to the playoffs, you know, the Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield juniors. And, you know, certainly Levante has been here forever and Devin white, you know, grew up uh, having success with the bucks early so there's a lot of continuity on defense. Um, offensively, this is always going to be a work in progress, particularly the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is you've got a first-year play caller. You know, that that is so huge. Look around the NFL and tell me who's being successful. And I'm not just talking about a guy that is the first-time play caller in Philadelphia because the head coach, you know, or the, the offensive coordinator got a head coaching job. I'm talking about a guy who has not called plays like since high school, right? Like 16 years ago, Carson High School. That's And I know he's done the work, and I'm not saying he's not deserving of the job. He certainly impressed the Bucks with what he knew. Um, but it's different on Sunday when you're, when you're going across that guy on the other sideline who's really smart too and, and is the best in the world at what he does too and knows what you're going to do even before you probably do it. And so the adjustments, um, the game plans, you know, figuring out your own personnel. I mean, this is the first time Canales has been around this team. You know, he came from Seattle. It's not like you promoted somebody from within. So I think that that has been, as much as anything, uh, one of the reasons why they've had sort of an uneven performance. You know, he came here and was told, hey, we want to run the ball. We were last in the league in rushing. We're going to run the ball. We want to run it. We want to play complimentary football. We want to keep our defense fresh. We want to keep the other offense off the field. And he tried that. He tried to go that route, and he found out they're not a very good running team. And so now it's like, okay, so if we don't run the ball very well, now we got to throw it. Well, you know, are they really built to throw it 40, 50 times a game? I don't know that they are. So he's still trying to figure out what he has. And they (laughs) – they haven't been really up and down. They've been mostly down. Like the New Orleans game had some nice moments and good drives and, you know, that one drive where seven different people touched the ball and all that. But, like, they're not getting a great performances from the tight end position, which is bad, um, the running back position, which has been bad, the offensive line, interior offensive line in particular, which has been bad. So, and then on top of it, a first-time play caller, right? So... I think they can get better, but I don't think we should be surprised that this has been a struggle because all of those things are factors, right? Any one of them is a factor. The biggest which being that you have a first-time play caller at any level since high school, and he is at times getting it handed to him, right? And so let's see what he does. He's still got the second half plus of a season, 
and he could get much better as the year goes on. All right, John had a follow-up question. He says, hypothetically, if the Bucks played in a better division with this team, would there be a different outlook about their performance and contention hopes? The division title is nothing to sneeze at, but 8-9 and nine is not a good year. Is perspective skewered in the NFC South? I mean, I struggle with this one because, to me, you know, it's not college football where, you know, you get ranked based on who you beat, okay, or how many points you win by. Um, it's cyclical. I mean, the NFL is cyclical, right? There was a time when the NFC South was sending a team to the Super Bowl every year, New Orleans, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and they, you know, they had some of the best quarterbacks, pres- presumably, uh, in the NFC South as well. You know, you, what you had Drew Brees, right? Um, I wouldn't put Jameis in that category necessarily, but he was a first overall pick. And, you know, uh, Carolina had Cam Newton for a while. And so, you know, Atlanta, Matt Ryan was a really good quarterback for years and years. So there, there were, you know, and now what would you say? I mean, what, what is, what is that division now? The NFC East, right? Some really good teams there. NFC West, maybe at times, uh, the Rams had won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. We know San Francisco has been great. Seattle now leading the division this year. So it, it just, it, it's sort of cyclical. So I don't think you can look at any one or two years and go, well, you know, big deal. You won the division. Um, is it a good division? No, it's not. It's not the strongest I've seen it by far. Um, but you only play six division games, right? So there's, there's 11 other games that you're judged by each week. Um, so it's not like, well, they only play the NFC South and therefore any win they have doesn't count. I mean, they've only played a couple NFC South games, right? So I I just think that each year is different, and and the the goal of every team is what make the tournament right, get in to the playoffs, and then you take your chances. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I think I know what's going to happen, but it, you know, if the Bucks host a playoff game, that's a huge deal. You know, it hasn't happened here very much. It just hasn't. I was counting in the other day inside the the Bucks indoor facility. There are eight division titles. They've been playing football for almost fifty years in Tampa Bay as an NFL team, right? I think we're closing in on forty eight, forty seven, whatever it is. There's eight, including last year's title. Which, yeah, did they win eight games? They did, but they also didn't try to beat Atlanta, and I think they would have, and they would have won nine. Would that have made a difference? It's a winning record. Okay. Um, so it, it, I, I don't get caught up in, well, you know, boy, if they were in, uh, you know, the AFC East, they, they, they would be this many games out for it. Like, you can't do that because you don't know. Um, I just think you play who's on your schedule. If you make the playoffs, you don't throw a division. Every goal, every team has the same goal when the season starts. Let's win our division. doesn't say, let's win our division, but it won't count if they're not very good. If everybody else thinks in our division we win it, eh, so what? No, we need to win our division. Why? Because that's the only guarantee that you're going to be in the postseason. And what are you playing for? Everybody's playing for one thing, the Super Bowl. Well, guess what? Only one team can win. All those other divisions that have great teams and may have great records, if they don't win the Super Bowl, they failed just like you did, right? There's only one team that can win it all. So it's win the division, get in the postseason. It's the only guarantee there is. And then you go from there. Um, so there'll be teams with better records that are wild cards, and they'll have to go on the road, right, because they didn't win their division. Now, maybe their division was stronger that year. They still didn't win it. Um, so to me, if you reach your goal, you can't then say, yeah, but. I know people do, and, and, and I understand why they do, and the records might be below 500, and that's, you know, that hasn't happened all that much. That was one of the fears when they you know, realigned the NFL and they went to these, these smaller divisions that, hey, we're going to have teams that make the playoffs with a losing record, and it's happened. It's happened a few times, uh, a few times in the NFC South, and it may happen again. Um, but that's them the rules, as they say. And, you know, to me, I, I, I just don't get caught up in all that because I know – Upsets can happen. And I also know that, you know, every team you play has great players, you know, 
and every team is an NFL team. This isn't college football. Um, so to me, you know, it's, it, I get the I argument. Um, would it be a different outlook? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, you either win it or you don't, you know, and maybe their flaws would be more exposed. I, I just don't know. It's, it's really hard to say because they're not playing in a division, but they are playing 11 games outside the division. And let's see how they do with those. All right, Craig tweeted. He says, through seven games now, who is a better offensive coordinator? Marcus Arroyo, who was thrown into the job unexpectedly, or Dave Canales, who got the job in the spring? Keep in mind, he set up Evans on his 1,000-yard streak with Glennon and McCown as quarterbacks. Marcus Arroyo, there's a name I haven't heard for a while. That was a, a bad situation to put poor Marcus in. Um, It's so hard to compare teams, you know. Mike Glennon wasn't a great quarterback. I, I I think I think Baker Mayfield's more talented than Mike Glennon. I don't remember how many games Arroyo won that year. Um I don't think it was many. I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and look, but a better job. I think they're both kind of the same right now through seven games. And again, not without having to look at the records, I don't know. But that was an, that was a bad situation to put to put Arroyo in, who went on and became a head coach in college football. But um, but yeah, uh, this team just off the top of my head has more talent, right? And should be expected to do a little better than that one. Let's just leave it at that. The Bucks um, went two and fourteen in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. So I so I so I mean. I would say I would say Canales based on the results because they've already won twice as or almost won twice as many games, but I also think that was that was a bad team. Although they you know, went two was, and fourteen, they weren't trying to win that last game. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> they definitely they definitely tanked for Jameis Winston. There's no question. I was there. There should have been an investigation. <laughs> they were pulling Mike Evans out of that game. Oh, he was tired. Like you know, we wanted to look at the other guys. Like okay. And the Saints tried to screw it up and fell behind by 10. Um, Drew Brees is throwing interceptions in the end zone. It's weird. So, yeah, yeah I, th- this is this is not Marcus Arroyo. I mean, I think this is a better coach. But um, he's got to prove it. You know, it's still early in his NFL offensive coordinator days, and he has not become a head coach someplace else. Arroyo did. So, I mean, um, everybody starts someplace. And it's a tough situation. I think Arroyo was in a really tough situation because he wasn't planning – on being the coordinator. Another guy that was put in that situation one time was Greg Olson. Um, you know, they had a coordinator that they fired 10 days before the season opener um, because he wasn't really equipped to run the offense. And, and and that that's a tough situation. So you find yourself in a lot of these and you just got to do the best that you can. Um, but Canales is, is doing a little better. And I think, look, I think that uh, he'll look at these first seven games and be better in the next seven. You know, I expect them to improve, and um, I know they have every expectation they will. All right, Steve emailed you. He says, most offensive lines in the NFL are struggling. My issue is Tampa Bay's offensive line doesn't seem to be improving at all. Others across the league seem to have made some progress, i.e. the New England Patriots. I realize they don't practice much in preseason, but we've had quite a few games now. Now, my point is I believe Tampa did not replace their head offensive line coach in the offseason. They can't seem to run block at all, even now. Seems that they should have made some progress by now, just an opinion. Yeah, it's a good opinion. I mean, I, I think if you're going to put accountability on a unit, the offensive line is a good place to start. Now, you know, continuity is what wins in the NFL, uh, particularly on the offensive line. In the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, really both years they won the Super Bowl, they had very few injuries uh, to their offensive line. You know, Alex Kappa got hurt in a playoff game. And but they were able to to withstand that. Otherwise, they were pretty much whole the whole season, and they won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, this group has not really had injuries until until you know Matt Filer went out the other day. Uh, but um, I think you got guys while they're the same names, many of them they're in different positions, right? You've got Tristan Worst moves to, to from right to left tackle. There, there's not a guy other than Robert Hainsey who's sort of playing the same position, and Hainsey wasn't supposed to be the starter, right? Luke Gedeke was a guard on the left side. Now he's the right tackle, which is a better position. But everybody's different in terms of how they line up. 
So offensive line is, is a is a unit. It is these guys move together even when they're off the field. Um continuity is key. I think it is improving, to be honest with you. I think the tight end position needs to be part of this too, because I haven't seen as much improvement from then. I think Kate Otten and those guys need to block better. I've seen them get whipped at times. And as far as the coaching goes, and I asked I asked Todd Bowles this because he fired a lot of coaches. And I was like, look, when you're last in the league in running, right, in rushing the football in average and in yards and all that, um, when you start making changes on your staff, how did these guys, you know, Harold Goodwin, the run game coordinator, uh, you know, their offensive line coach, Gilbert, I mean, how did they survive? And he said, well, because they're good coaches. Okay. Well, it, you know, it's it's sort of a production business, right? So to me, the heat is on those coaches because – You've got to drag these guys across the finish line. Those are your players. And to that point, who are the guys that are committing all the false starts? Who are the guys that can't get the snap count? Like stuff like that is controllable, and that's on that's on the coach. I mean, the coach needs to have smart players, but he has to have guys that are disciplined. And he has to he has to emphasize that and coach discipline. And that's not a very disciplined unit right now, and and they're hurting themselves. It's the game's hard enough without committing your own mistakes and they're putting their team in bad positions. And as much as anything, that's, that's what's stymied the offense are, are all these pre-snap penalties. So I would say those guys aren't doing very good. And I don't have an answer for you why uh, they stuck with them other than Todd Bowles believed they were good head. They were good coaches. And you know what? If they don't coach better, then they'll be finding a new head coach. So I hope he's right. But they've got, you know, the second half of this season plus to prove it. All right, great questions. You don't have to wait for us to call for your mailbag. You can send us questions anytime. You do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll be talking some college football with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. Recap the god-awful Florida-Georgia game and others and look forward to the week ahead. So much more of that coming up. And then, of course, we'll get you ready for the Bucks at Houston against the Texans. Uh, we'll have a chance to talk uh, today with the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Dave Canales, uh, many others. So we'll have all of that for you tomorrow on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.